Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly movie podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, joined once again by Ann Thompson, who's back after taking a week off. And Ann, it's great to have you here. The last time we recorded was in front of a live audience at New York Film Festival. Now you're back in your headquarters of Los Angeles, and I'm still here in New York. But the season continues to move along, and we've got a lot of updates to talk about. So let's get into it. I think the last time we were sort of anticipating a lot of stuff with the international selection. And now we've entered that period of time where we're getting a whole bunch of submissions from different countries. So why don't we start with one of the snubs, Pedro Almodovar's film, Parallel Mothers. Yeah. Yeah. He's been, he's been submitted by Spain seven times over the long career that he's had over 40 years or so. And, and so they went with a different filmmaker uh, who's the same one that was, that's that it was like 19 years ago uh, that talked to her was was not nominated and ended up winning other Oscars. So that's what's going to happen this yep. year. There's going to yep. be uh, there's going to be a, a big push. Sony Pictures Classics is totally on it. Here's what Tom Bernard said to me. He said, look, you know, Parasite has proved uh, with the new um, membership of the Academy that international films are not off limits in other categories. So we're going to go for uh, Penelope Cruz, director, screenplay, best picture. They're going to go. And it's really weird because Parallel Mothers, at least in my view, and I don't think I'm alone, is one of the, his best films ever. It's it's extraordinary. It's, it's a well, really it's, great masterwork. I, I also think it's one of his most accessible films in the it's sense that it's true. It's utilizing the the a very familiar style that he's basically invented, taking melodramas and, and kind of accentuating them in a certain way and applying them to something we've never seen him deal with before, which is the trauma of the Spanish Civil War in a way that's very emotionally resonant, obviously a hot topic in Spain, but also one that for American audiences, I've found already talking to people at New York Film Festival, a lot of them didn't know about. And yeah. so it's it's an advocacy component, which I think is valuable as well. Now, so Penelope Cruz got in for that Kristen Stewart Oscar, it sounds like, right? Absolutely. Kristen uh, is 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 still the one to beat. But um, uh, Penelope's gives a, an extraordinary performance and and uh, and and shows us sides of herself we haven't seen before. Um, it's a very intimate, uh, sensual, uh, yeah. emotional performance as well. Yeah. And so the, so uh, Pedro won uh, twists for... and turns in this movie. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. It's like, I don't want to say Spanish Civil War is a spoiler, per se, but actually no, 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 it's a big part of it. It's a big yeah. part of it and an important part of it, part of the backdrop, part of the way the plot twists. But there's also this question of the mistaken infants that are switched at birth and, and which mother ends up being honest about what she knows and, and how that plays out. It's it's really fascinating. It's totally so unpredictable. Well, that's the thing. So 
when Pedro was snubbed 19 years ago for Talk to Her, he was nominated for Best Director and Best Screenplay, and he won Best Screenplay. And it was a big deal in Spanish-speaking countries around the world. I remember being very struck by this. The international race is not a small thing. You know, there there were a record 94 submissions last year, and everybody complains about the submission process and how the countries are always making the wrong choice and, and how they don't know what they're doing. All right, so the other big... Uh, race that everybody's watching is France, right? So there was Titan from Cannes, the Palme d'Or winner, Julia de Carnot, very taboo busting, very shocking. Uh, you know, I love the movie. I think it's a great movie, but my practical, pragmatic side suggests that it, it was a risky uh, pick for France. So the other uh, big, uh, they, there were three finalists. The other big one was Happening, which is an abortion drama, which uh, from another woman director, Audrey Duane. One, and I thought it was fantastic and and uh, would have been a very strong choice as well. But they went with Titan. They went with Titan. Yep. And I, and th- this is obviously controversial in a lot of ways. And some people are saying that because Thierry Fromeau, the head of Cannes, was on the committee, obviously they went with the Cannes winner. I don't know all the politics. An agent who's on the committee representing the Cesar Awards, who represents the lead actress. So everybody's compromised. Don't forget that Julie Delpy was on there, too. And I'd love to know what what she was lobbying for. But uh, but I also think that there's something to be said for. I mean, we know that uh, IFC went to France and made the case and Neon went to France. France, Right. It all happened in one day. He did it earlier, though. He, He went earlier and lobbied and IFC picked up the film relatively late and went relatively late. And Quinn could argue that they overlooked Portrait of a Lady on Fire and look how well he did with that movie for them. And he could argue what he did for Parasite. Well, I think the Parasite argument is critical here, right? Because for Oscars, including Best Picture. We know that Portrait was not chosen and Les Mis was chosen because they thought Les Mis had a better chance of getting nominated and it was nominated. But France has not. But France has not won that Oscar in decades and it's not to say that titane is obviously yeah 30 years but this is a company that has basically gone beyond traditional expectations and i do feel like we get it is one of the most nominated countries ever the only country that has france come on italy i think yeah Yeah. but they invest really in getting their cinema out there france has the most nominations italy has the most wins i think it's that right right yeah italy's one more and more recently but but also the, the there's something that i think is really fascinating about how in Every year in the award cycle, we talk about how, oh, this movie's never got a chance. This one's more likely. And then in the last few years, a lot of things have surprised us. I would not just assume that Titane, the way we assume Titane couldn't possibly be a Palme d'Or winner, uh, is not an, a, a movie that can go all the way. I think it's a movie that people it's, really get fired up about. And that's a good thing. It, they get fired up in both ways. But predictably, the New York Times uh, didn't like it. Certain big critics haven't liked it. It's polarizing. So you have people who think it's one of the great movies. I think this is one of the great directoring jobs of recent memory. I mean, this woman is in complete control of every element of this movie and knows exactly what she's doing and went against a lot of prevailing winds in order to get this made. I mean, people weren't making it easy for her. Um, so I, I, I applaud 
to Carnau 100%. But at the same time, we know that that mainstream core of, of the independent, uh, of the um, international branch, uh, you can voluntarily get involved. You don't have to, uh, you know, be appointed, but you have to see yes. all the films and they're trying to broaden it. They broadened yes. it from just a few hundred in L.A. to a thousand or so around the yeah. world. And your bud and mine, uh, Raj Rahendra, uh, the film curator at, at MoMA, is now uh, the co-chief of the yeah. international. Ra Raj um, was hopping on uh, on Twitter, committee. basically saying so. So, so Raj exhorting people to join yeah. up. And and let we should note you have that to Raj sign up. A, you have to say you're going to participate. So Raj Roy at MoMA is the first person of color to co-chair this committee. He's doing it with Suzanne Beer, and he hopped on Twitter the other day and said, "Hey, Academy members, you can do this. You we need more people to actually be paying attention to these films." And it's true that I've heard Academy members say, "You know, I don't have the time to watch all these movies. I'm just going to wait for the shortlist and watch about 15, which is part of the systemic problem that gets in the way of." really making sure that films that are being submitted are getting a fair chance at being on that shortlist because people are seeing them and talking about them and recognizing what's worthwhile. So it's going to be fascinating to see whether or not people invest that time. But I would assume that something like Titan gets shortlisted. I would be pretty shocked if it doesn't. I mean, just it will be shortlisted. I'm sure. Yeah. But I am but curious there are a lot of about strong contenders. I mean, for example, yeah. one of the best things that I saw at, at, at New York, was the New York Film Festival, by the way, I just want to say it was so much fun being at the New York Film Festival. It's great having you. It was extraordinary. It was just uh, it made it just warmed the cockles of my heart. Drive my car three hours. I had seen the first half at Cannes and then I had to see it all over again at, at New York. Fantastic. Um, that's going to definitely be on my 10 best list at the end of the year. It's a wonderful story about a, an actor and director who gets in, caught up in a production of Uncle Vanya from multiple countries, and he's grieving the loss of his wife, and uh, it just goes in places you could never expect. I loved New York movie. also had uh, Memoria, which is the Colombian submission from Apichapong, where it's a thoughtful who is not Colombian, you but Colombians love, are excited. You love rolling that off your tongue. Well, you've, you learned how to do it too. I've done time, it. And I've done it. I think <laughs> hopefully we have more excuses to, to discuss it. I mean, it is not an easy movie by any means, but it's, it's a great sort of cinematic challenge, a big screen sort of challenge. And with Tilda Swinton behind it, it'll be fascinating to see if they can keep the conversation going about it. There's not a lot of dialogue in this movie, but my understanding is that it's like 75% Spanish, including what Tilda is, is saying. So it does meet the requirements. So I'm excited to see how that one fits into this conversation and do Academy members go to screenings because it's not a small screen well, they movie. They'll go see a movie with Tilda Swinton in it is the thing. And they might go see a movie with Dan Stevens in it. And then in this case, another English speaker speaking another language, which is I'm Your Man from Maria Schneider, a Schrader, who is the um, not the star of Last Tango in Paris, but Maria Schrader, the director of I'm Your Man, uh, which is the German entry. And so Dan Stevens speaks German the whole time. And there's yep. a line in them. He's playing a a humanoid um, robot lover 
you know, his job is to make women happy. And so this uh, professor who needs money is uh, keeping him in her house for three weeks and resisting him. And uh, as I say somewhere, resistance is futile. Um, he, <laughs> he, he, he wins her over. Uh, but but it's, Dan it's, Stevens. it's fascinating. She can't say no. Yeah, it's, it's, he's good. He's very good no. in the movie. It's a very gentle film. It's it's not as you know audacious as like her or some of these other films about artificial it's intelligence similar. and love. But it is in that it's that type of movie. So I'll be curious to see how that continues to move along. But that's one that got a nice boost early in the year from uh, the Berlin Alle Film Festival, even though it wasn't in person. So it's nice that it that it's still in the conversation. But uh, but yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what else makes the cut. We're expecting Iran to choose a hero from Oscar Farhadi, so obviously that'll be in the mix. And, and I'm hopefully sure we'll see Italy a few will others. go with uh, Hand of God from Sorrentino's film. And We're waiting uh, yeah, on those. yeah. So there's a few, but I mean, it's what again, as we've talked about in, in previous years, I feel like I'm constantly reminded how complicated this process is. Like every country has its own kind of way of selecting a movie some of some of them have like small committees choosing the films like the french one and then you have like in other cases big amorphous bodies like in spain where the spanish academy votes on the film to submit and then in other places censorship plays a role there are whatever in politics so it's it's a very complicated brazil process brazil yeah. is notorious for looking over you know not not picking some of their bad stuff the other one um is israel which which always picks uh, a mm -hmm. movie that is the winner of their ophir award and the one they picked this year is actually controversial because it has uh it's based on a palestinian book and mm -hmm. the palestinians in it were objecting to it being considered an Israeli movie and refused to participate at Cannes, right? Yeah, it was a bit controversial. I haven't, I haven't seen the film yet, so I, I can't totally speak to all the specifics of it. It's called Let It Be Morning, and the director is Aaron Corlirine, which is ironic because this is the guy who made the band's visit a number of years ago, which got snubbed by the Oscar process because it had all this English in it, even though there was a narrative reason for it. It was like Palestinians and Israelis. I know, I was outraged in by English. it. That it, it was, was a great movie and it ended up being a great play on Broadway. Yeah, that <laughs> actually winner. could have been an Oscar winner. I mean, it was a real crowd yeah. pleaser and a commercial success. So, but they've uh, stuck but we'll to their see. guns on that limit on English. They haven't changed their rules on that. Absurd, absurd. But. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, I, I realize it's a very big challenge here to figure out, well, how do you create some set of rules? Is it financing? Is it number of producers, setting? Or maybe it's some amorphous thing where you just have to watch a lot of movies and make some decisions. But it's certainly not a perfect process yet. And I'll be curious to see how our, uh, how our friends on the international committee end up making that shortlist in, in a couple of months. Uh, but why don't we talk about some of the movies that are opening this week? Because that's a nice, we have a nice excuse to come back to a film that we talked about a bit back at Cannes, and then it got a little bit of a lift at New York Film Festival, but I don't think we talked oh, about it in Island. the last part. Yeah, Bergman Island finally coming I, out from IFC. I got a chance to talk to Mia Hansen Love backstage yep. at the festival, and and um, I'm fascinated by what the, the process. I wanted to talk to her a lot because I was curious about the creative process. This was a long, long gestating movie over many, many, many years. And um, obviously she thought she could do something about two married 
filmmakers, and she was married to Olivier Assayas for 15 years and had a child with him. She was much younger than he was. And so that's the, 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 the nugget of it, uh, the final casting after many <laughs> changes over time. The final casting is, is Vicky Creeps, who's just charming and magnetic in it, and, and Tim Roth as the older filmmaker. But it wasn't until Ingmar Bergman died um, that she figured out that Faroe Island could be the setting for this for this story and it really uh is a magical place it, it works very well and she puts another film inside the film with Mia Wasikowska and uh Anders Danielson Lee uh, did you like the movie Eric I thought it was terrific I mean I've, I've always really appreciated her films because you don't totally know the kind of movie you're watching until you get really deep into it and she's she's just really good at keeping keeping it un, unexpected even though it's a very sort of nuanced agreeable kind of flow to the narrative and so this one I think is sort of a filmmaker at the height of her power doing something narratively that creeps up on you which is to become a film within a film and then to double back in ways that I thought were really striking so I mean I've I've talked to people who have different kinds of feelings about this movie Some, some of them thought that it was a little too lethargic in parts or that they didn't like the way that some of the some some of the language, the way the English was spoken didn't sound quite right in certain cases and things like that. But I, I that didn't really bother me. I thought what was really fascinating about Bergman the Island. Made it, it work. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what I appreciated about it is that it's not another whiny breakup movie. It really felt like it was taking a, a scenario that was credible and doing something that was unique to the art form. Uh, and, and so it's great that it, that it's, it's getting out there. I don't know if it's an awards movie necessarily, but it certainly it's deserves to be seen. Year. It's going to be tough. Uh, if you look at the, say the director's race, uh, or, um, for, for the, you know, you, you, you could have, um, Jane Campion, for example, perhaps uh, dominating, um, that category this year for the power of the dog. Um, and I'm curious to see if Rebecca Hall gets anywhere with, with passing, which is, which went really well at New York film festival. I mean, that movie didn't have, um, when it was at Sundance, it didn't win any awards, but also it didn't have a a real audience. It didn't have the traditional festival. They needed the New York York film festival to reestablish it. And, it and then the other, well. the other, yeah, the other, the other possibility would be Maggie Gyllenhaal for um, the Lost Daughter. Although I suspect that will end up being a, Screen a screenplay. Yeah. yeah, which Passing she won in Venice. Could end up there too. <laughs> yep, yep. And well, then, these are all good categories. <laughs> so. so the other movie I saw when I was in New York um, was The Last Duel. Yeah, another movie opening this week. That is Ridley Scott in medieval mode, um, in action mode. But also, uh, it's a very intense triangle. Romantic isn't the word I would use, but it's it's a it's a relationship drama uh, played out with um, Matt Damon as this sort of surly. A uh, guy who wants to be a knight who's fighting all the time because he's short on money, and his beautiful wife, uh, played by Jodie Comer, and the very charismatic and intelligent uh, rival, uh, friend and rival, played by uh, Adam Driver. And it's just, I, I actually really enjoyed the movie at the same time that I have no clue, as usual these days, as to how commercial it's actually going to well. be. 
first of all, it's it's a it's a pretty silly movie in parts, although at, at times it's also self-aware when it's not totally self-serious, as medieval movies can be difficult to get the tone right with. But what I did appreciate was that like 40 plus years after Alien, you're getting a, another Ridley Scott feminist movie in a, in a context you wouldn't necessarily expect to see it. I mean, it's a kind of a it's a it's about a rape and it's told from three different perspectives two of which are the male perspectives and one of which is the female perspective, which and comes they, last. They save that for last. And yeah, there's some and I thought that was amazing. Conversation that about concept. how the three screenwriters who were Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, who won the Oscar for Goodwill Hunting all low these many years ago and yeah. Nicole Hall of Center. Now, I want to know more about how she was brought in, why she was brought in, how the process worked. Yeah. But clearly, the most successful section is the one that she presumably had the most to do with, which is the Jodie Comer section. Well, I also just love the, the conceptually this almost like Rashomon like yeah. approach, right? And and the the to to uh, something that we hear a lot about, which is the a woman's perspective is often ignored and that there's it's it's all too easy for the kind of patriarchy to come up with reasons to to move around this i mean there's a there's a, a moment where ben affleck's character is basically explaining to adam driver's character that as long as he just denies the accusation against him it'll be totally fine and it was so explicitly like the kind of thing we hear about in coverage of these me too situations that I heard laughter in the audience because it was like the screenplay is basically telling you, look how long this has been a problem in our society. Well, and I did back appreciate in medieval that. days, women had no power whatsoever beyond exactly. their ability to, to raise children. That was all to produce children was their goal in life. And if they didn't, they could get killed for it um, yep. or, or thrown out. Um, the, the, the trick here is that there's some repetitiveness over the course of the three stories which which I don't think they completely solved but but the other the other thing is that Ben Affleck gives a very good performance uh actually a supporting performance he's quite he's he's quite he looks charming, ridiculous but <laughs> horrible uh uh you know um royal uh, uh power monger um in that situation and Adam Driver gives a great performance too Matt Damon in a way has the least um attractive role to play and I find he's a loser I, He's the, I mean, he's the he's guy the who's not smart. And Matt yeah. Damon loves to play the guy who's not smart. And I'm sort of wishing he would stop. Give me the Martian, Matt Damon, please. I no, I liked how Matt pathetic Damon. he was. I mean, you, you you mentioned the action. We really don't get like serious action until the very, very end. And it delivers. It's but amazing. It, it does sort of. But it inverts this idea of like, who are you even rooting for? It's like two like oafish men just like hurling swords and daggers and punching each other and while a woman watches is it stay yeah. no no and she's what like, it's Ugh. doing is deconstructing all the old um think about all the hollywood movies that have been made over the decades that are based on ideas of honor and chivalry yeah. and all patriarchy and yeah. strength and might and and being able to you know some kind of moral honor this is a this is all thrown out the window uh, in a way yeah. that I find it very ends, satisfying. I'm not going to spoil it, but there it's a, it has a bit of an abrupt end, but Jodie Comer's character does get sort of the last word in a way, and there was applause at the screening I went to, and I do think, you know, coming off of, you know, we know her as, as Villeneuve in, um, in Killing Eve, 
it's a real it's such a different performance for her but it's it really does establish her. her yeah as yeah. a leading woman she could get supporting so. actress for this although it, it it is still a quiet performance so um i suspect that the last duel is going to wind up accomplishing several things one lot of craft nominations two uh burnishing ben affleck's um come back if you like because he's got another movie called The Tender Bar that George Clooney directed which is a uh, kind of a boy movie this is a total boy movie believe me um, no surprise where, but he plays the kind uncle the bartender who takes on his nephew who grows up to be Ty Sheridan and it's a, a super vehicle for Affleck I didn't think the movie was brilliant but he was very good in it yeah, I mean, Affleck seems to have these moments where he comes along and surprises us and we remember that this is actually a real actor who, whose celebrity has maybe eclipsed that at times, but he still is, is giving his all in front of the camera. There's no, nobody can really doubt that. I agree. And he's clearly made a shift in his priorities. Um, many actors these days have figured out that making money is is actually not the goal <laughs> anymore, <laughs> and, and that finding really good parts that show what they can do is 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 actually a better approach. And he he's you know since uh, the last few years he's really showing that he can he can do all sorts of things uh, when he puts his mind to it. So I'm curious so, to see how this plays out for him. Absolutely. So speaking of making money. When we did the podcast two weeks ago, we were anticipating the Bond release. The yes. Bond film has come out. It's done pretty well. Okay. It not as not as well in domestically. It didn't do as well as Venom two, but I could have told you that. It's usually I mean, doing better overseas than domestic. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. James Bond. So it's not a terrible way to go out, especially after like fifty delayed release dates or whatever. So that's fine. But now the real question is, where do you go from here? with this character we had an article on the site where different people proposed uh different approaches but I'd, I'd love to hear what the broccolis think about what you do with this character and what even is the industry going to be is amazon going to try to convince them finally to develop this ip into you know 50 different properties I don't think or... they are and i think the broccolis are going to continue to make movies but again you know what happens over the next five years in our industry is anyone's guess, you know, what the theatrical marketplace is gonna gonna look like uh, is is a big, big question mark. Um, I um, am I'm rooting for Tom Hardy, who I think is an extraordinary actor with depth and darkness and complexity and and the ability to be um, a lover. Uh, you know, the 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 way that Daniel Craig deepened the character over the past five movies was extraordinary and very different from the earlier Bonds. But also you have to have a bond with danger and physical prowess. So of course, Hardy has all of that. Um, the other one who's coming up on the outside is Richard Madden, who, who I also am a great fan of um uh, did you i mean i want them to, they're clearly going to play around with what an mcu bond universe would be um and there's been some outrage at the way yeah. that daniel craig exited the series um we won't spoil it because I'm not it's saying, still too new. There's been some outrage. Well, in uh, any case, he's not going to be Bond anymore. He's not going to be Bond anymore, and he he ran the, his course. I think when Casino Royale came out, it was exciting to see a more you know a grittier Bond, more stripped down, and and also kind of like 
fragile in a way and people yeah. appreciate that but Vulnerable. by the end of the cycle it, it did feel like on, on some way, ways we've, we've even grown beyond that kind of archetype to see somebody we want to see somebody who we've never even imagined as a bond before my vote which is probably not realistic because i think he's like now directing an action movie and stuff would be dev patel because to me Dev Patel is the kind of person who he's a British actor with a strong following who, who's a younger guy, but also because he is, uh, a, you know, Indian, he opens up this possibility that we can look at Bond's origins in new kinds of ways. I mean, what if you had an immigrant Bond who was divided between his relationship to the government and his relationship to the world he comes from that is not necessarily supported by the government? We've never really gotten into that ecosystem. And I do think at the very least, Bond doesn't have to be a white guy. I agree. If we're willing to do he that, does have to be a British male. I, I feel that. I think Idris Elba would have been an, a superb Bond. So would Clive. That Elba. was a missed opportunity. But they, but they outgrew. Um, they're they're too old now. Uh, not to put too fine a point on it, um, they have to last uh, for a while longer. Um, yeah, so it's I like agree a decade commitment. A, a, yeah. a Bond of color would be excellent. So speaking of 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 films uh, featuring people of color kicking ass, I haven't seen it yet, but I know you got a chance to check out Harder They Fall, which just premiered uh, at London. That's another Netflix film. So is this movie going to shake up the awards conversation? What are we looking at here? We're looking at a really beautifully executed Western in the Sergio Leone vein um, with an incredible cast. So just imagine that the, the, the Old West had lots of towns um, that were entirely inhabited uh, by people of color. So you've got um, uh, the villain of the piece, uh, the revenge mission is basically uh, the Jonathan Majors character is the guy whose parents were killed in front of his face when he was a kid. This is the opening sequence. And then he's, he's chasing after uh, the Idris Elba character who finally gets out of jail and is is wrecking havoc on the land. So yeah, you've got Regina King in a very kick-ass uh, performance. Uh, Zazie Beetz, uh, very charming and and also kick-ass as Jonathan Major's love interest. And you've got uh, Lakeith Stanfield. I mean, it just goes on and on. And, and everyone is good. Um, Jonathan Majors is clearly a major star. I mean, he's going to be uh, to he's going to be doing a lot more uh, as we go forward. Is it an Oscar movie? It's a western. It's it's actually not the only one this fall. A straight on western um, with a lot of violence and a lot of familiar tropes. Um, it's it's cast differently uh, than most westerns, and that's what makes it really fun and interesting. Uh, but well, I'm not but sure. it was interesting also with the Campion film *Power of the Dog*. We were talking about how that movie was kind of deconstructing the western and the masculine element of it. So it sounds like this one is sort of deconstructing this one other is things. Reinforcing about it. the old tropes. It's it's more about um, how satisfying it is for a different group of people to kick ass and and have mm -hmm. fun with it and twirl their pistols and and do shootouts and and so it's and not a Django movie or something. It, it really is. It isn't falling. like Django at all. It it's it's a it, in fact I, I I thought about Tarantino as I was watching it because it I meant the classic Django's, but there's that, that comparison too. Yeah 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 yeah. No, it is. It's more of a spaghetti. You're right. It's more of a spaghetti western. 
Well, I will try to see it so we can talk about it more but next week. It's quite week. beautiful. Um, it's quite, quite beautiful in, in terms of the photography and and uh, production design and costumes and, and all of that. And the actors elevate it. Why am I um, hesitating slightly? It has to do with the fact that, that it's not, to, it isn't, aside from the casting, it isn't doing anything new. Hmm. Well, we always like to see that, but if it's if it's a fun one, then I'm I hope that it gives us reason to keep talking about it. And, it's it's you know. very entertaining. I King, bet it man. does really well on Netflix. Regina King's, I mean, she got to open the Oscars last year. Her popularity couldn't be. She higher, is so. awesome in this. You know, she I just commands wait. the screen. She kind of knocks everybody else out of the water in a way. That's awesome. <laughs> Can't wait. Can't wait. Well, I didn't see that one. I did see another movie opening this week, which is Halloween Kills. I would not say it delivers as much as what you're describing. If you like the Halloween movies, there's some stuff to appreciate here and some stuff that you will find disappointing and I won't spoil it. But what I will say is that what I appreciated up front was that what David Gordon Green and Danny McBride, who wrote this thing together, do is they they get all these survivors of Michael Myers to sort of almost play deal with like victim trauma. Like it's not just about Lori anymore. It's about the entire town and they're all kind of like dealing with victim trauma, but that leads to this mob mentality where everyone is so deranged about finding Michael Myers on this one night that they can't think clearly about what they need to do to fix the problem. So I appreciated that. But then after a while, it just kind of became like, how can we up the body count? And it just, it, I just got kind of bored with it after a while, but it's got a big cliffhanger. So I'm really hoping for the next one to deliver. It's just, I love that David Gordon Green and company, like they're just like raking in the dough with these horror franchises. Like they made a $400 million deal for Exorcist to, to do that for Peacock or something. So I like that they play around. I think horror fans will have some fun with this movie. It's just not, as satisfying as it could be. And there's a lot of other horror movies you could revisit this month anyway. So I got a kick out of the fact that they did a sort of Halloween dress up thing at the premiere and Jason Blum, the producer, who's the one who's really raking in the dough on these things, um, dressed up as Laurie Strode and Jamie Lee Curtis dressed up as her mother in Psycho. <laughs> That's a, that was amazing. That was amazing. I mean, yeah, talk about leaning into your legacy. That was just so good. So in case, so next week, I guess we'll have a bunch of other stuff to talk about. We just got an AFI Fest lineup, so that's right around the corner. And I'm sure we'll have some more international movies to uh, to discuss as well as like whatever other interviews we're juggling we can provide some highlights for. But And it's good to see you back in your element. Good luck as this season continues to intensify, and I'll see you next week. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.